Because you're young, you know, everybody in this room, you want to be happy and you want to be successful. Everybody in here wants to be happy and successful. If you don't want to be happy and successful, there's something wrong with you. I mean, you know, look, man, God gave me a life I never even really dreamed of. He gave me even beyond what I dreamed of. I mean, you think about it. The money they pay me is to wake up. I either play music or I tell jokes. I either play music or I tell jokes. I entertain people for a living. They give me money. That's a blessing, man. See, see, when I wake up, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. See, that's the difference, man. Some people have to go to work. I get to go to work. I get to. I don't have to. You know, I mean, I was doing this for years for no money. But through grace and mercy, you know, he just kept blessing me. And then, you know, I got other things I want to accomplish, you know. I'm not through. You know, I've been at this a long time now. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about the end, you know. But all I want to do now is make enough money to change uh, kids' lives. You know, my foundation is the most important thing. I'm going to do some stuff over here in uh, Ghana, Botswana, and Joburg. Those are three cities I'm targeting for my foundation to come and change. You know, so that's what it is now. That's motivation. And then, you know, I'm a trailblazer, man. I got to show other people how to do it. You know, my job now is to show y'all how I did it. That's why I talk all the time about motivation. I talk more about motivation now than I do comedy. Because, you know, your career is what you paid for. Your calling is what you made. So I'm in the calling part of my life now. You know, I have to, like when you ask me a question, see, I can't just, like if I tell you you got to write it down, I'm telling you how to make it. I'm, this, you have to do it. Now you can try to do it. If you, you can try to not do it, it's going to be hard. But so I always try to give people little pieces of wisdom because you're young. You know, everybody in this room, you want to be happy and you want to be successful. Everybody in here wants to be happy and successful. If you don't want to be happy and successful, there's something wrong with you. Most people want to be happy and successful. You just need the key. The how-to. That's my job is to show you how-to. Like if I give you one scripture that can change your life and I tell you Habakkuk 2 and 2 and then you don't follow that, that's not my fault. So now you know that you have to write it down. Like if you look at my iPhone, my iPhone has my vision board on it. I ain't got no picture, no dog or my wife on my phone. My wife is at my house. My wife is, she's somewhere, she's in Rwanda right now. Because oh, I put stuff that I dream about on my iPhone. My vision is on. So every time my phone rings, I look at it. I think of my visions and dreams. Every time I pick up that phone, I should pick up that phone to make one of them dreams come true. When I open up my laptop, the same thing on the laptop. So every time I'm texting or email, I'm trying to make a dream come true. I don't have time for nonsense. You know, like you, you know, like what they say about me in the blogs. I don't. It don't matter what they say. They don't know me. They don't even know me. They never met me. They say negative stuff about me. It don't mean nothing. Look at me. What do I care what they say. God keeps blessing me. It don't matter what you say. You got to know who you are and whose you are. That's all you need to know. I know who I am 
and I know who I belong to. And that God of mine ain't going to let nothing happen to me. When I began planning this program, I looked up the word character in the dictionary. I learned the origin of the word, and then I just sat there for a minute and realized that in this case, the origin of the word just about says it all. So I'm going to tell you where the word character comes from, and I hope it has as big an effect on you as it did on me. But first I want to just quickly mention the origins of another word that people often confuse with character, just to clarify the differences. That other word is charisma, and I think that it's often confused with character today. But charisma is really quite different. Charisma is derived from a Greek word meaning an ability to elicit favor in other people. It's a magnetic quality of personality that people respond to as if it were magic. Charisma is almost like a magic wand that confers power over others. But character has a very different origin. Character comes from a Greek word meaning chisel, or the mark left by a chisel. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's very important. Character is derived from the Greek word for chisel. And of course a chisel is a sharp steel tool used for making a sculpture out of a hard or difficult material like granite or marble. And a chisel is also used for stripping away waste material from an object. Stripping away stuff that might get in the way in order to get down to the essential thing, the thing that really matters. So in its origins, the word character isn't related to a word like charisma, which we've described as a kind of magic wand. Character isn't a magic wand. Character comes from chisel. And I hope you'll remember that. You've got to chisel your character out of the raw material of yourself, just like a sculptor has to create a statue. The raw material is always there, Everything that happens to you, good or bad, is an opportunity for building your character. My parents not only lived with these tremendous changes, they managed to thrive with them. They brought electricity into their home and change into their lives. They grew with the times. They welcomed the new. They did not cling rigidly to the old ways, to the world they grew up with, but they were flexible and put down deep roots and flourished. They were not frightened or paralyzed by the terrible promise of the powers unlocked by atomic energy. They believed in the good as well as in the terrible. They knew human nature and the will to survive. They often told me when I was a little boy not to be frightened by all the big claims made by people in the world because the human race was capable and adaptable and the will to survive was stronger than the will of any man or the power of any machine. A strong character is not a rigid character. In fact, exactly the opposite is true. Although it's important to be firm when you know something is right and to maintain that right position, even when the crowd is going against you and wants to put you down, it's also important for a person to remember that no person is God Nobody is infallible or invincible. 
Sometimes when the tide has run against you for a long time, it may be that what you held as a certainty was in fact not true in the light of overwhelming circumstances. It's not only right, it's also smart to be able to see more than one way to accomplish a task. It's wise to see more than one solution to any problem. It's a good skill to see things as someone else might see them. Because when the plan that served you so well for so long doesn't work anymore, then it's time to find another way. It's time to bend. It's time to move on, to change, to compromise, to talk. Or you'll risk snapping like a dead branch in a stiff breeze. What a wonderful irony then that humor played an important part in the downfall of the Soviet Union. In the final years of the communist regime, political jokes became a highly developed art form in Russia and in all the countries of Eastern Europe. And the generals didn't get the joke until it was too late. The anti-government jokes that were circulating in the Soviet Union during its final years were an example of a particular kind of humor. They were designed to elicit a very specific response, which we can call the laughter of ridicule. This is really a form of hostility disguised as mirth. It's intended to be very destructive to its target, and at the same time it serves as a kind of survival mechanism for the joke teller and his listener. It allows them to express their anger indirectly. If you're ever in a leadership position and you find that this kind of hostile humor has been directed at you, I strongly suggest that you do one thing immediately. And I'm not going to suggest that you take action to suppress the jokes. Instead, you had better ask yourself what you've been doing to provoke this kind of response among your subordinates. And once you figure it out, I suggest that you change that behavior immediately. Laughter of ridicule is a very bad sign for a leader. It's one kind of humor that should be taken very seriously. There are several other categories of laughter that we should consider as well. Have you ever gone to a comedy movie and noticed that the audience starts laughing even before anything funny happens? A leading comic actor can simply come on the screen and make a bland remark about the weather and everyone in the audience will start laughing. I've seen this happen many times with people like Robin Williams and Steve Martin. Underlying this kind of laughter is a desire on the part of people to have a shared experience. They want to participate in the experience together. I call this the laughter of community. Another kind of laughter that can be observed at the movies is something I call laughter of recognition. This occurs when someone wants to show that they get the joke. They see how something was intended to be funny, even if less informed people don't see it. This kind of laughter is especially common among younger audiences, and many members of the older generation find themselves frequently missing out on it. Irony is the basis for so much humor today. And by its very nature, irony is intended to exclude a certain percentage of people. The rest of them laugh to show that they've been admitted to the club. They laugh to show they recognize the joke. 
and therefore deserve to be recognized as members of that select group. That's why I call it laughter of recognition. Polite laughter is yet another category. This is sort of a social non-laughter that one gets when a laughing response is called for, but isn't really motivated. We've all had the experience of telling a joke that doesn't really go over too well and elicits only polite laughter. And we've all responded to such jokes with polite laughter of our own. It's just a gesture that keeps the ball rolling, but it's an important one. Nobody likes to be on the receiving end of polite laughter, but it's better than being poked in the eye with a sharp stick to quote an old joke. If you have that, that's great. If you don't have it, yeah. it's okay. I, for years, read books of people who I didn't know, but I considered them as my personal mentors. I, yeah. I studied Winston Churchill, who said, The truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it, ignorance may deride it, but at the end, there it is. I studied Earl Nightingale, who said, All of us get in life what we are, not mm -hmm. what we want. All of us are self-made, but only the successful will admit it. It also made it a hate crime to 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 discriminate or harass, essentially. So now then the question is, well, what exactly do you mean by discriminate or harass? And why exactly is that a hate crime under the criminal code? Well, there was an answer to that. The answer was, well, this bill will be interpreted in light of the policies generated by the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Very large set of policies. Now, the Ontario Human Rights Commission is a radically leftist organization. I think it's the most dangerous organization in Canada, although you could debate that. And they set out all sorts of policies about how this, these le this legislation was going to be interpreted. And the federal government linked to their website to state that Bill 16, C-16 would be interpreted in light of those guidelines. In fact, it means the opposite. It means it's time for you to fight harder, to dig in. It means it's time for you to go on the war path. And that starts with one of the fundamental laws of combat leadership, prioritize and execute. What's the biggest problem? What's causing the most stress? Family? Okay. Sit them down. Explain where you are at. Be blunt. Be upfront. And then give them the simple plan of how you're going to get things back on track. Don't sugarcoat it. You give it to them straight. Next, you got some, some late payments. Call those creditors up. Because leadership really isn't a title. You know my book, The Leader Who Had No Title. You've probably read it. Leadership is less about a title, and it's more about an approach, a way of being. And some of the traits of leaders without titles, they're radiant optimists in a world gone cynical. One of the things about leaders without titles, they don't see their job as a job. They see their job as a craft, no matter what their work is. They understand there's dignity in all labor. One of the traits of leaders without titles, they are relentlessly improving everything they touch so they leave it better than they found it. 